0: Influencers, let's get bougie. Listen to a Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. It's Aide Thompson. <laughs> uh ladies and gents, welcome to episode 198 of Aide Thompson and other disappointments. And indeed welcome to the end game of civilization uh, <laughs> um, welcome come in take a seat uh, welcome to the podcast to the place where faith retires where hope slips away peacefully and where some of us come together to uh, to find mutual doom lols. and uh, you know lashing of gallows humor we kick back we grab a beer and we attempt to find light in the darkest of times uh, i'm your host aid thompson and uh, yeah welcome to my twice weekly podcast in which i attempt to uh what like take you down a few pegs you know temper that optimism throw shade at your light etc etc uh this is 198 uh almost done 200 episodes of this. So thank you very much for sticking with me. Uh, if you are veterans, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Pull up a pew, grab yourself a cheeky G&T, a daiquiri, whatever's your poison. Uh, recent guests I've had on just for, you know, the benefit of new new listeners uh, include Tansky, Marina Perkis, Patsy Stevenson last week. Um, Booking a few more for September onwards. I'm just, I'm trying to get through summer, you know, with the kids off school at the moment it's just so hectic it's like like it might be a bit light on guests for the next few weeks because it's just like if i even find time to book them then they're like away on holiday whoever it is i'm messaging so it's like it's just really hard at the moment to do that but uh but if you are more of a fan of the solo ranty ones which thankfully (laughs) lots of you are uh there will be no shortage of those I promise you so there's there's that uh quick shout out to the patreons what's going on guys how are we doing what's up to lorna just joined on the chat um okay so right what have we got what have we got on the agenda tonight guys lots has happened this week obviously um what can we talk about first trump this is sort of fresh news story just this morning trump just caught another couple of charges in his mar-a-lago case that's that's pretty funny right I mean, it's funny that he has. He's caught a couple more charges. Not so funny that his house staff, like his, his maintenance guy, his housekeeping guy, the groundskeeper, right? He looks to be looking at jail time now also just for relaying a message from Donald Trump to the IT team. You know, a veritable pigeon carrier of presidential mischief. So that's kind of ridiculous i don't know if you caught my video about this uh that i, I put out this morning uh on here on youtube but it, like it really is balmy man it's like it's like trump allegedly <laughs> being very careful trump allegedly tells his maintenance guy you know the sort of guy who's like oh yeah like the, the boiler's broken on the second floor or, um, oh, yeah, the carpet's just out the front by the lobby. They need uh, shampooing. You know, that kind of guy. A groundskeeper. Trump allegedly tells this guy to go and tell the IT guys to unplug a server. <laughs> and and apparently, like, wipe the security camera footage just before the FBI were about to raid them. Right? So, stinks to high heaven. Not a good thing to do. But this guy is the groundskeeper. And Donald Trump is his boss. And so the guy goes, "Yo, okay. So off he goes, and he does it, and bam, you caught a felony, bro. Do you know what I mean? Like, how wild is that? And I know there's a lot of people out there, you know, not least in my comment sections from this morning, are like, well, yeah, that's what you get, isn't it? <laughs> that's what you get for working for Donald Trump. Oh, come on. I mean... We've all known people who work in a place that they don't particularly agree with, you know, <laughs> either industrially, politically, you know, morally, whatever. You know, like I used to know uh, a girl who he, she worked for a diamond mining corporation, which, you know, I mean, like we don't have to go into that whole thing right now. That would take up a whole podcast episode in its own right. But like diamonds are not an industry that is... Cloaked in valor and honor, or whatever, right? And she was like, "I mean, you know, I needed a job. Do you know how impossible it is to go for interviews now in London? Like, and, and prepare a presentation for each one of them, and then wait for the feedback, and and then they offered me ten grand more than the other place, and I've got childcare to think about, Aid, and my rent has gone up. Do you know? So like, all all I'm saying is, maybe let's just try <laughs> and engage." The lovey dovey lefty compassion here a little bit, shall we? You know, instead of the people in my fucking you know comment sections who are like, "Hey, did you did you hear Trump's maintenance guy just passed on a message for him, and now he could end up with five years in jail as well?" And the, the other commenters come back, and they're like, "Fuck that guy!" Do you know what I mean? Like, really can we try and be a bit better than the right wingers? With this stuff, can we just try, people? Fucking groundskeepers getting a five stretch. Maybe even more, I don't know. People are like, well, yep, that's what you get. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. That's what you get. Like, that is not actually that far, just so we're clear. (laughs) that is not that far from just jailing your political adversaries it's not like it's in the same neighborhood because because they happen to be vaguely connected to the person that you actually truly politically dislike so now you're happy for them to go to prison so you know just you know let's let's all just try to be a little bit better with this stuff shall we i mean don't get me wrong you know not that much better i'm not <laughs> If you're like, if you're Trump's campaign staff, you know, I feel like then you're fair game. You know, (laughs) then if you get caught up taking his orders as a means to, you know, becoming somehow more successful yourself, like it's in your interest to do the evil bidding that he's saying, you know, you're taking money from this guy or illegally tapping that one. Like, I'm not saying that's what Trump does. I just mean if. You know, if you're on his campaign team and you end up in legal trouble because of it, then I'm going to be right there with all of you motherfuckers singing Star Spangled Banner while they clink your cell door shut. I just am. Then, then you're fair game. But as a maintenance guy, ah, that doesn't feel right to me. I don't know. Cheers, by the way. Happy Friday. The other thing that I thought was interesting about this, though, About the Trump thing was like, and I touched on this also uh, this morning, about like how sad it is to see regular people get caught up in his nonsense. You know, just regular people, like not people on 100 grand salaries, not donors who are worth 200 million dollars or anything. Just regular run of the mill people who just work in the hotel or the golf club whatever, you know, it's elicits feelings of like, ooh, I don't know about, you know? Because, like, like these are people, like your Boris Johnsons, your Donald Trumps, who ride a wave of right-wing populism selling fantasies to the working class, right, to blue-collar families. They're like, I'm going to save your problems, Hank. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Vote for me. I'll make your life better. <laughs> Like that sort of thing, isn't it? You're trying to hoodwink them, trick them. Put some money in the bowl and you too shall be saved. It's that sort of vibe. And they coast on this exploitative wave. Like in Ameri- America, it's, you know, the, the Rust Belt, right? It's the sort of industrial heartlands, the blue-collar guys. In the UK, I guess the cliche is that it's the post-industrial north, old coal mining mining towns. Johnson, Trump, Trump probably more than Johnson, they they sort of positioned themselves as these kind of like blue-collar Jesuses, you know? Right? Like, I can save you, America. It's, there's sort of that to it, I think. We see it more so now with the QAnon, you know, movement slash religion, or whatever the fuck it's turned into. But what is their actual relationship with working class people? What is their actual relationship? How do they interact with them? Because I've said it before about Trump. Like, Trump is happy to chase the votes of people that he would have escorted out of his golf clubs. He just would. Like, they would scream their adulation at him, and he would immediately have them exited. Like, get those people away from me. You know what I mean? So there's that. That's one aspect of him interacting with the working class. And then there's this. There's the maintenance guy. The groundskeeper guy just takes an order from him, delivers a message like he's supposed to, taking instructions from his boss. And then it's that, you know, reverse Midas thing, isn't it? Like everything Trump touches is debased. Even people who stand to benefit from his actions in zero ways, like this fucking groundskeeper guy for this message delivery even people like that on what like forty thousand dollars a year or whatever he's on those people end up colored by trump's fuckery and maybe jailed as a result of it and it's like there's a really cruel crushing irony to that isn't it it's like you guys should believe in me because i can fix all your problems and then flash forward five years how, how exactly have you interacted with a working class? I got two of them jailed. My fucking... Well, bravo. Amazing. So that's Trump. And his uh, his indictment for retaining presidential records and hiding them in his bathroom. That indictment will now include charges of obstruction of justice and attempting to pervert the course of justice by deleting evidence. Because that's what he was doing. He was asking the guy to go and tell the IT guys to unplug the server, to wipe the security camera footage. What was on there? Nobody knows. But whatever it was, he asked them to delete it hours before the FBI raid. So that was fun. What else has happened this week? Well, much like the planet itself. The climate crisis is really heating up. Um, We've had wildfires in Italy, in Greece, in Spain. We've had South Africa's big coal lobby refusing to move to greener solutions. Closer to home, we've had the ULEZ stuff. We've had... (laughs) I mean... Wait, like, alongside the awful rebrand from Twitter to X, right? We've had we've had another pretty terrible marketing pivot with Lord Frost playfully suggesting that the climate crisis could could rebrand or like pivot to this could be good for Britain. Like, it's fucking outrageous. So there's that also. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me, the the boundless optimism that people like Lord Frost hold. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like the planet's on fire. Millions trying to get across the English Channel, probably. You know, desperate to live here. Fleeing their countries where it's too hot to live. They can't grow crops anymore. Entire countries that won't be able to go outside in the daytime. And this cretin is like, yeah, but um, but on the other hand, lads, do you know what I mean? Like, why are you even trying to look for a silver lining to that shit? Like, there's a part of me that doesn't know anymore. You know, if I genuinely am taken aback and infuriated by their stupidity, or am I just so deeply invested in the depressive, unforgiving hate of this show <laughs> that when I do encounter optimism? Like, maybe it just angers me, you know? I don't know. Like, I don't want to go on too much of a rant about Lord Frost. You know, go on a... Not a vantage point. What's the word? Go off on a tangent. But, um... In fact, you know what? Fuck it. I will. I will go off on a rant. But, like, someone like Lord Frost, right? When someone like that says climate change could be of benefit to Britain, (laughs) I'm like, nah. like, call me mean-spirited. Call me a petty exclusionist, if you must. But I'm not sure Lord Frost, of all people, is in any position to opine over what might be good for the country. Like, he's just not. Lord Frost really got this ardent Brexiter, you know, and then leaving the EU does untold damage to the country, you know? And then he's involved in the negotiations, isn't he? Presumably to make things better, to make things of benefit to the country, right? But then the negotiations are a bit inconvenient for him, aren't they? Because of where they take place. Which is in objective reality, right? <laughs> inconvenient for him. He has a hard time with that. So so they're not working for him. So so what does he do? To safeguard and to secure this thing of benefit to the UK in Brexit. What does he do? He runs away. He fucking went running. So what does that make him? Really? Like if he thought Brexit was going to be great for Britain. Of net benefit for Britain. But he ran away from sculpting it in the way that he thought might bring it to life and might make it a benefit. If he ran away from that. What does that make him? It makes him either... A deluded fantasist or a steadfast coward? Fucking take your pick. And now to have the gall to stand up there behind a podium and go like, well, I think I think this latest thing could be really good for Britain. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think climate change could be great for Britain now. Like, why is anyone listening to Frosty? Why? Like can we just can we can can we please just get rid of him? Can we like can we deplatform him somehow? You know. Cuz the shame is obviously on Summer recess too. I think like the shame is on furlough. The shame has consciously uncoupled from Lord David Frost. In fact, like maybe that's it. Like maybe Like we always talk about, you know, where is the shame? Where is, you know, and politicians don't have shame anymore. You know, but like what if what if people like David Frost are just so unfathomably dumb and embarrassing that even their shame is like, yeah, no, you're all right, mate. Peace. I'm out. Like even even shame doesn't want to be aligned with this motherfucker. I think there could be something in that. Oh I think um I think climate change could be great for Britain, you know? <laughs> like, like what would it take to get these kinds deplatformed, you know, properly cancelled actually endlessly blacklisted, what would that take? Cause honestly, like when I read moronic quotes like that, just certifiable nonsense. I am tempted to disguise myself as a tough negotiation, you know, and then go and sit in the front row, like freak him out, watch him run out the fucking stage door, <laughs> bailed. Anyway, so so that was the week uh, as far as climate change was concerned. Oh fuck! Actually, no, ULEZ just got approved, didn't it? Like uh, Sadiq Khan just won at the High Court, so that is definitely happening now the ULEs extension out to Uxbridge, I believe. So that's going to make Twitter fun this evening. (laughs) I think you guys better better prepare yourself for an army of flag emoji accounts getting confusingly het up about a traffic policy in a part of Britain that they never go to. (laughs) Fucking bizarre. You know, like when you check on somebody's account and it's like dave from middlesbrough and it's like I oh, no i'm against you Les. like what are you talking about you know <laughs> like imagine if you were actually in the pub with one of these people you know you're right you're like you're right gary gary why why are you growling at your phone that's uh that muslim sadiq khan he's oh he's just won the high court battle and now it's you les he's going ahead which means Cleaner air for pockets of West London. Uh, okay, but we live in Coventry, Gary. Yeah, but I just, I just get violently angry about the air being clean and, uh, and about uh, about uh, transportation protocols in, in in sparing parts of the country that I uh, never actually drive in. Okay, I mean that is that is a weird hobby, Gary. But um, but uh, oh oh my God, you've lit! You've just growled! And grounded your teeth so hard that your bottom jaw has torn its way through your cheekbones, Gary. What on earth is wrong now? Well, the uh, the A sixty eight near Edinburgh, it says here it's, it's just been greenlit for resurfacing. Like Jesus Christ, Gary, I don't think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> like, wouldn't you? If that was your friend, wouldn't you be like, you have a weird fucking hobby, man. You live in Middlesbrough. Why do you care what happens in London, transportation-wise? What was the other thing that was climate this week? There was something else, wasn't there? Oh, wait, ah, yes. That was it. The UN thing. So I did a video on this this morning too, right? So forgive me for the repetition, but I only have so many hours in a day and I have two kids, all right? So... The Secretary General of the UN gave a speech yesterday and it was pretty sobering, even for listeners of this show. (laughs) It was sobering listening. Uh, He was begging for urgent action uh, to help reduce the global temperature, reduce carbon, uh, retire the fossil fuels. And that was off the back of the EU's copernicus project earlier in the week and the world meteorological organization both of them separate entities but both of them put out statements saying they have both individually found that this will be the hottest july ever you know since records began the hottest july so that's uh that's nice i mean i listened to that statement that speech and I was like, "Yeah, we're uh, we're we're pretty fucked, I reckon." <laughs> <No>? <laughs> like, I mean, we are. Uh, like, I'm sorry if some of you still have hope, you know. And maybe I, I bum you out with this show. But, I mean, you should have got the vibe of it by now, surely. Like, no, nobody should be tuning into this thing <laughs> and being like, "Do you know what? I feel a bit down. I might put this a Thompson thing on. May- maybe that'll cheer me up." Like, no, that is not the output, the side effect of listening to this, that is a hard note for me, I'm afraid. Um, you know, like, I've, I've resigned myself to how bad things are going to get now. Like, I've just kind of begrudgingly accepted it. Whereas I think some of you are basically passengers on a hijacked plane, you know, praying that maybe Jesus might float by on a unicorn and fire rainbows into the cockpit and he'll just magically land a plane or so. You know, I think that's some of you. Meanwhile, me, like, I'm in seat 32C. (laughs) Like, I know this is all bad, but I'm just chilling. You know, I'm knocking back a whiskey on flight 11. That's me. Like Anyway, yeah, so. Hottest July ever since records... Began. And it's actually kind of like life affirming in a way. Because you really see the best of people in this kind of situation, in situations like this. You know, like amidst the bushfires, tornadoes, the monsoons, the displaced families, uh, terrified tourists, and burnt down homes and um i saw this one incredibly moving interview i don't know if you guys saw it but um it's really moving uh it was this family of five and they had lived in this house for 36 years and their kids were raised in it and their mortgage was almost paid off and it went up with the spanish wildfires right and the news crew were asking them. They were like, you know, are you okay? Can you talk to us about your situation? You must be terrified. You know, did everybody get out alive and okay, or you know? And this husband and wife just looked at the camera and just looked at the journalist. And the husband just leans in and he just says this. It's a really moving moment. He goes, um, he goes, I just want to know the latest with Nigel's banking situation. Like. <laughs> Like it's been It's been such a weird week for news here. Has it I mean the bar is pretty low on that, I know. But just think about it for a second, just consider it. That while Europe is burning, while the UN are tearing their hair out about the possibility that the planet might become largely uninhabitable, that while teams plural of scientists are like, this is real. This is happening. This is happening now, and it's happening faster than we ever thought. Like, while all of that's going on, our domestic UK media are like, "Uh, uh, yeah, okay, great. But, But this coot situation is important. Like, it's fucking balmy. Like, if ever you needed a clearer indicator of the stuffy Oxbridge privately educated demographic that run everything from banking to broadcast from parties to papers could you ever have asked for a clearer giveaway of who runs the country than the journo political class vanishing up their own arsehole to have a national anger wank over one rich guy's coots card could you really it's like it's like some tabloid campaign from the sun you know, like the, the, the people's paper to right the wrongs of Bentley. You know what I mean? And it would be like maybe Crazy Quatang on the front page. It'd be like world exclusive. They always do that. They always branch it as a world exclusive, even when it's, it's only like seven people in Dagenham that give a fuck. It's a world exclusive in the people's paper, The Sun. They'll say like, crazy. Bentley cancelled my 12-month lead time. Like, I mean, like, Bentley messed up his order for his brand-new custom-built Bentley, and he had to request it from scratch and wait another 12 months. And he's all pissed off about it because he's been bragging about it to his friends at the Carlton Club, and now they're all going to take the piss. And then he frames this somehow as him fighting your corner. Do you know, <laughs> how ridiculous does that sound? Like, I'm going to war with Bentley So none of you suffer a cancelled Bentley order. Like no nobody should be getting D card. This is my new campaign. None of us can afford a Bentley though quasi. Right, right, but I'm but I'm fighting for just just in case you could I mean this could happen to anybody. Get the fuck out of here. Like that is what this feels like to me. Is a rich guy feeling embarrassed. That he got rejected. You know? But he can't just handle that. So instead he turns his own consumer frustrations. Into some ridiculous culture war nonsense. And we all have to fucking deal with it. For six weeks. Anyway. So that has been. Uh, gobbling up the column inches. Dominating the news. For six Fucking weeks while the rest of the world burns and the war in Ukraine rages on, and Sinead O'Connor dies, and uh, Dan Wooten gets drenched in the worst kind of allegations you could possibly imagine. <laughs> but, but all of that moves to the side when Nigel enters the room, when the Nigel show begins. <laughs> <laughs> when the latest instalment of Keeping Up with the Faragian starts. Honestly, like, the news blackout around Wotton is fucking weird, though. Isn't it? Like, nobody is covering it. And yet, contrast that with the hysteria around Hugh Edwards. Like, it was just... well, doesn't it make you want to grab the hacks at the sun? The sun on Sunday or the Daily Mail? Like, grab them by the shoulders, Right? They're supposed to be journalists. Just grab them by the shoulders and shake them and just be like, you're a journalist, right? Oh, well, you you are in luck because, boy, do I have a scoop for you, you know? But it's just nothing. And it's wild because, like, I would have thought that News UK or the Mail Group... Or Rothermere or, you know, people would have had to have at least pretended that they were taking stuff like this seriously, wouldn't they? Like, if only to pretend to be doing so. And I suppose I should give a little bit of context, right? So for for the benefit of those not so across this stuff, not so aware, and honestly, why would you be? (laughs) Because it hasn't really been in the news at all. But Dan Wooten who has been on everything from, you know, Good Morning Britain to editor, I think. Or was it showbiz editor of News of the World back in the day? I think he's done for the stuff for the Sun on Sunday, maybe. that uh, He became a columnist in the Mail to star anchor on GB News. Dan Wooten is alleged to have raped a young man. And he is alleged to have catfished colleagues while working at News UK offering them tens of thousands of pounds to film themselves having sex with their partners and then send him the footage, right? He's alleged to have paid porn stars with the sun's money, paid them to rock up and have sex with various people and then again, send him the footage, send him the dirty stuff. There's people saying stuff like, it felt like blackmail, right? There's... The guy who literally said that Witten raped him and, you know, clearly, look, we don't know if any of this stuff is true. I don't think he's been arrested yet, but it is utterly bizarre to see him clouded by these allegations that are so much worse than the Hugh Edwards one. And even the Schofield stuff clouded by it all and still to see him on TV, still protected. And within the context of the Hugh Edwards hysteria, within the context of the Schofield debacle, for there to be dick one mention of it across most of the mainstream media. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if that tells you what kind of power he has. You know, like if if these stories are true and and if he were the kind of person who was happy to collect black melee material on his colleagues and and so on I don't know you know it's not a huge extension to that but like if you imagine that he he might be being protected you know partly out of political bias like he's a right winger we don't want to let go he's a he pulls in an audience we don't want to sack him unnecessarily let's wait and see if this all just goes under the carpet maybe there's an element of that a bit of political bias but also partly out of fear you know if he's the kind of person who tries to elicit blackmail material off his colleagues or ex-colleagues, if he is that guy, is it outside of the realms of possibility that he's being protected because he has shit on all of these other political editors? You know, I don't want to get too tinfoil hat here, but that could be the case, no? I mean, if I was a political editor, or even just a journalist at The Telegraph, or The Mirror, or, like, wherever... And I had sent some anonymous account, like <laughs> just a dick pic or something. I mean, just, you know, just to be open and upfront here, I don't do dick pics. So there's <laughs> minimal, minimal chance of that ever happening. But, um, but if I were, if I had sent, you know, dick pics to somebody on Grinder or somebody who looked cute to me and I, you know, I found them attractive and we were just, talk, because that seems to be what is like being alleged here. You know, if I thought there was a chance that that might surface, that might I might be cowtowed, you know, for fear that somebody out there is about to see my penis. <laughs> Maybe that explains it. But these the allegations in byline is byline times who have been leading with all this. Right. The allegations in byline are jarring, man. Like, I don't know if you've if you've read them, but listen to this shit. Right. This is a male adult film star. A gay porn star giving an interview to Byline, I think anonymously. Uh, And so he says, he says, Dan used to pay us anywhere between 300 and 500 pounds to use our Facebooks. I didn't know these people that he was messaging from his Facebook. It was all males, though. He was messaging as me, basically. And then this guy adds, I know he was using the Facebook of two others as well. I was watching the messages on one of them. Um... But then he was instantly deleting them as they were firing out and coming back like he was deleting them as they were going along. And then the Byline Times guy says, like, so you think he was destroying evidence on a rolling basis, like as it came up? And then the adult entertainer, the gay porn star goes, yes. Right. So he's commandeering other people's Facebooks. He's posing as them. He's sort of flirting with them, going back and forth. But he's deleting the messages almost immediately so that there's no trace of it. Then there's another one. So there's two of these porn stars, gay gentlemen, and they're both giving the interview. The other one says to Byline, he says he allowed Dan Whitten to use his Facebook profile because he needed the money and described seeing the now GB News star targeting five or six men in one go. So this is not just a one off, (laughs) right? He says he paid me to use my facebook i still had access to it as well but i gave him my password and then when i felt like he had had enough time or whatever i would change the password he said after a while or after a bit of messaging you know random people presumably dan wotton would say okay i've got a guy here are you interested in coming down and filming right so he he's fishing with these people's accounts allegedly And he pulls people down or, like, says, yeah, okay, come and meet me at this place. Then he messages the actual owner of the Facebook account and says, look, do you want to come down and film yourself fucking this guy, (laughs) right? (laughs) So, anyway, let's continue with the byline bit. So, he says, uh, these people we used to meet, I don't know who they were. I think they were from Dan's Circle. And the films were an attempt to get one up on them. Like, how fucking dark is that? Like, that really is. If it is true... And I'm not saying it is, but, you know, allegedly, reportedly, all of that business. (laughs) If that is true, how fucking dark to deliberately go out fishing for blackmail material on what sounds like his colleagues. And we kind of know that that is the implication, right, of this story, because there's another story where the victim is like, uh, where is it? Uh, Hold on. So listen to this shit, right? So, like, Wooten is alleged to have been posing as this other person, right? Martin Branning. That was supposedly, allegedly, his pseudonym, that he would pose as this Martin Branning person to then make contact with people with a view to collecting. Like, he didn't want people knowing, oh, look, Dan Wooten's out there fishing for this. So he constructed this identity, Martin Branning, is the accusation. And so, anyway, this other victim says, Branning told me, if you don't get this footage, like he's ordering him to film him fucking his partner, he says, if you don't get this footage for me, then there are consequences. You know, you. it says, you don't want your employer to find out or your friends and family to know what you've been doing. You know, like, it's, like, threatening. Doesn't that sound threatening? Like, you're going to expose them or leak sex tapes or something? Like, and then the accuser continues in this spyline interview. He says that Branning said... Uh, he said, uh, wait, hold on. Let me, let me rewind a little bit. He goes, oh, so the con- uh, accuser continues. He says, uh, no one wants their mum or dad to see them fucking someone. And that's what this was. It was like, well, if you don't film this one for me, your family and your friends and your colleagues and your employers are all going to see what you've been doing. And he says, that was the heaviest part of it. I did try to ignore that and tell him to fuck off basically. But then it just got more intense, like more intense than that. That's fucking dark, bruh. And yet, where is this stuff being reported? Like, have you heard anything about this stuff? I mean, like, you know, outside of a few retweets and byline times. Like, it's amazing, isn't it? From Schofield to Hugh Edwards to silence. Just nothingness. And it really gets you thinking, doesn't it? Like... Like, weirdly, like, if I did do a sex tape <laughs> and I and I didn't want anyone to ever see or hear about it at all, if I wanted it to just disappear without a trace, saving it to Dan Witten's hard drive feels like a reasonable option right now. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody's looking in there. Clearly, nobody has any interest. What that gentleman has on his laptop and his USB drives and what on earth he may or may not have been messaging. And look, you know, again, I'm not saying he's definitely done these things. I have no idea. He could be just as innocent as Nigel Farage, our persecuted saint and saviour who is dying on the cross for our sins, selflessly fighting the banks for all of us. He could be as innocent as his GB News colleague, Nigel Farage. But I don't know, man. I mean, (laughs) like, like, I'm not saying he's definitely guilty, but (laughs) I am saying my personal sense, like my gut feeling of this is that if you've got people online literally saying you raped them, you know, if you've got the ex-fiance of a dead TV presenter saying that he blames you personally and calling you a murderer, if you've got... Ex-boyfriends saying they found this shady fucking hard drive and that you admitted to being Martin Branning and these unconnected sources for byline times also saying that you did that and used that same name and these people have never met each other. They've got no link to each other. Like, I'm not saying he definitely did all this, but I'm just... <laughs> well, let's just say my sympathies are limited right now. Should we leave it at that? ha <laughs> But yeah, anyway, total fucking silence from most of the UK media. And there's a lot of people who, you know, they're like, well, if it's so serious, why aren't the police investigating? Hey, right? Yeah. Riddle me that. If this thing is so serious, where are the police? And the answer to that is apparently they are investigating. <laughs> At least... You know, according to Wooten's ex-boyfriend on Twitter, this uh, this Kev chap. So, in light of that, if they are investigating, why still are the papers not covering it? It is a total blackout. No newspaper cover. It's just utterly bewildering. And honestly, it makes me seriously question if Dan Wooten is maybe Boris Johnson's daughter. <laughs> Like, is is that it? Is that how people get news blackouts now? Like, it's 2023. Everyone talks about everything. Everything shares shares everything on the internet. There's no such thing as a secret anymore. Print journalism is desperate. Papers are hungry for that scoop. So to get all of Fleet Street to agree to not report on something, you had better be fucking Prince William banging Rose Hanbury. (laughs) Like... Or Boris Johnson's former office aide? Like, it's just those two options that you have. Like, people often question the idea of privilege, don't they? (laughs) About who actually has privilege. These motherfuckers do. Because if it was you or me or your dad or your dog's former owner or whatever, these stories would be sprawled across the fucking tabloids. But the fact that it's somebody like Dan Wooten, the fact that it's somebody like... You know, Prince William allegedly banging one of Kate Middleton's old friends. The fact that it's the the, the former SPAD maternity cover lady that was made uh, baroness or a peer this week. You know, these are the people who have the privilege. We, right? We've, whatever the right wing of Twitter might tell you about you being a metropolitan elite, you should just screw that up and chuck it straight in the bin. I don't know. Mostly, most of the time, when people say that they don't have privilege, those are the people who are dripping with privilege, <laughs> aren't they? They're like, well, I worked hard. I worked hard for the seed money to start my own business uh, that became a production house. You know, I worked hard for that that first step, that start. And then you find out that they worked hard by mowing their billionaire uncle's lawn five times. You know, and that was it. They were, they were set for life, had their whole life handed to them. But the uncle was like uh, I I I want you to appreciate money Hugo I want you I can't just give you 500,000 pounds you know and he's like oh, well you know okay uncle uncle Barnaby but I I promise if you give me the 500 grand to start my company I would really appreciate that <laughs> and the uncle's like no yeah, no no I mean I-, I can't just give you half a million like so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you work for it oh okay what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to mow the lawn once a week for three months while you're back from uh, while you're back from Cambridge. Uh, okay, is is that it? Yeah, and and then then you will appreciate money. Okay, well, I mean that is basically minimum wage work though. Well, uh, how do you mean? Well, I mean you know three hours what every Saturday over six weeks, six times three hours, eighteen in and... total. Okay, so five hundred grand divided by eighteen would be twenty seven thousand pounds an hour. That, that's right. You've you've got to learn the value of money, Hugo. 27 grand an hour. Yeah. And after that, you will appreciate money. Well, I'm sure I fucking will. You know, that's, that is how it works for those people. Then they start a company. They hire a 100 staff. And then they sit you down and talk to you about like, well, you know, if you've got an idea for a company, maybe I could help you. I mean, I started this place from nothing. I started it. I just put in the hours and I worked hard and then I got given. Anyway, like, so basically... The only way you could achieve a media blackout now in the UK in 2023. The only way. Let's think about this: Prince William, the allegations of Rose Hanbury, Boris Johnson, the blonde-haired young 29-year-old peerage lady. Nobody's talking about either of those. Like the o- the only way you can achieve a media blackout now is to have had a pair of Etonian balls empty out in your ovary pond. Like, that is fucking... that. Is, that's the only way that anyone signs off a super injunction now. Apparently. But, yeah, it's funny, man, isn't it? It's like, for, for all of the talk on the political right, the populist right about the establishment and the elite, we're railing against the establishment, well, this should put two fingers up to the elites. You know, all of that stuff. Who is it exactly that's got the news blackouts covering the ass, right? It's plummy Etonian fuckers getting themselves in all kinds of bother and nobody fucking hears about it, right? that's This is what's so fucking ridiculous about that Matt Goodwin thing. Do you know that guy? He had a book out a few months ago called The New Elite. <laughs> the New Elite. It's like this idea that left-leaning globalists, centrists, actually run the country. It's metropolitan, out-of-touch Remainers who actually run the country, guys, which must come as a crushing shock to my fellow Remainers out there. Like, we've been running the country this whole time. How do we fucking up this bad? Like, this whole time I've been thinking it was right-wing fucking authoritarian Brexiter cunts. It was us, we were in charge. Who have I been complaining at? I should have been... (laughs) Anyway. So it's, yeah, this idea that the new elite have been running the country and not the guys who have been in office for 13 years, not the majority right-wing press, not the redrawn electoral boundaries and the the voter disenfranchising and the Brexity fuckers doing whatever they like all the time, no matter the economic cost or the cost of you, me and everyone. It's this ambiguous, unspecific new elite. Who are graduates and left-leaning journos and you're Gary Lineker's and people who support Gary Lineker and, you know, middle-class types with mortgages. You, you're the new elite, didn't you know? Even though you're about to lose your home and uh, you can't afford a holiday, you can barely afford to take your kids out on the weekend without the whole thing Jesus on a unicorn magically landing on your credit card you're broke you're filthy <laughs> you're devoid of hope and faith in your future you're you're boiling weeds that you took from the garden for your dinner and you're shoveling them in your mouth <laughs> grimacing you're growling to yourself I just I just don't feel elite though you know <laughs> guys that's it that's all i've got time for tonight uh thank you so much for continuing to tune in to download to listen on the apple podcast app uh spotify youtube um if you are in a position to support the podcast financially that would be amazing i've started it at just three pounds a month so you can jump on patreon.com forward slash aid thompson with an i n at the end there's a load of benefits on there you get episodes of the podcast two days ahead of schedule you also get an rss feed that you can plumb into your podcast player so you get those episodes straight into your normal podcast player um i've got a discord chat we all jump in there there's early bird tickets to all the live shows so we did one in february we do london-based meetups we did one at glastonbury now we're doing another one me tan danny fucking price uh, that's in november i'm doing a live podcast comedy gig thing with otto english Ashley Hayden, John Left of the Countryside. That's coming up on the 28th of September. So if you're enjoying the show, if you're around London or if you're coming down this way for a long weekend, Thursday, the 28th of September, there's still a few tickets available. You can jump on there right now and uh, and grab those. Uh, you also get named and shamed at the end of episodes or credited as some people refer to it. Uh, so once again, big shout outs to my, uh, my Patreon backers uh, for continuing their support of the show. He says, oh, shit, Uh, I've got to quickly get your names up. Probably should have had this all (laughs) all prepared, shouldn't I? Big shout-outs to my Patreon backers, Um, starting with Bowman, Kai, Chris D, David Voice, uh, Mojo Sabian, Peter Del Monte, Pingu, Silent, Stu, T-Rex, Aaron, Alex, Jeff, Ned, Sarah, and Simon. Thank you so much, guys. A doff of the cap to you. A cheeky, paternal love wink from the right eye. I'm looking forward to meeting up with uh, as many of you as possible at the September and the November gigs. Um, Until next time, keep it strictly hashtag Bimfluencer, strictly hashtag Booge, and I'm out this motherfucker.